Hey there, amazing Fighting Failure listeners. Welcome to a brand new episode on the damage of tilling and plowing. So I want to begin by apologizing for the inconsistency of the release in the last three episodes. We've all been really busy with the end of school. That includes exams and extra tasks which the teachers decided to assign. But anyway, um, I'm back in Vermont. We traveled here, which is why we couldn't record last weekend. And we now aim to resume the regular release schedule. So a schedule. I just said schedule the way that my old teacher used to say it. The release schedule. And that's exciting. So we hope to get back on track with that. Um, And so today I'm here with only one co-host. Which is me. Who is Sandhya. Yep, Sandhya. Um, And um, the others. So Oscar couldn't join today. And then we got a backup who is Shingai, one of uh, mine and Sandhya's friends from just after Oscar had left the school. But he wasn't able to make it due to internet difficulties. So it's just the two of us for today. Um, But I think we'll make it through. (laughs) I hope so. So, why do why don't we begin? So, Sandhya, would you would you like to begin with a quick definition of tilling? Sure. Um, so, tillage is the process of plowing through agricultural land to overturn soil so that seed can be planted in neat rows that are easy to mass plant and, and easy to harvest from. Basically, when you dig up the soil. Yeah, that's when you that's when you get those those rows, and it's like row to row, and they're kind of they kind of look spiky. Um, yeah, and that's what tillage is. And so today, I think we're going to skip this uh, statistics section due to listener recommendations, which we love to get. So um, if you want some statistics on environmental degradation as a result of agriculture, go ahead and listen to previous episodes or find the demographic in the links of previous episodes show notes. But for now, I want to begin on why people might till or plow. Um Sandhya, do you want to head us off? Sure. So I think we have like four reasons here on the reason people, most people till or plow the soil. So one reason is that they might want water to accumulate in the plowed rows from natural sources, which would reduce the amount of external water necessary for the production of plants. Uh, I think there's a word for that. It's like aqueducts. It's not aqueducts, but it's something similar to that. Um, yeah, we can look it up. What is? What are you talking about? The... The use of natural water sources? Natural water sources. And then you just dig dig the soil so that the water will naturally flow into the, the land. I think they do it with rice with rice fields, actually. We don't have Uncle Google here today, who is Oscar, the master of Google. So I just want to leave that because I'm going to spend... I'm so bad at Google searching. I'll literally spend ages and ages searching to find a result because I just don't know what to type in to find the result. So... Let's leave that unsaid for now, but there will be a note in the show notes, which will give you um, greater explanation into that if you want to know how um, water can be accumulated from natural resources and then used. Um, But for now, let's move on. So um, our next point was kind of that people don't want to have to separately dig up holes to plant each seed in um, because that is super time consuming. And so if you don't have a lot of time on your hands, then I think it would be more efficient than to just dig um, rows using a, a donkey cart or using a tractor, um, a tractor cart, so something like that, you know, rather than sitting down and taking, taking the time to dig up separate holes and plant a couple seeds in each. And, you know, that takes a lot of time and it's not as neat um, if you don't do it, if you don't take as much time to do it. Yeah. Uh, I'll go on to the third point, which is that they want control over the growth of their plants. So tilling provides control because the plants are grown in neat rows. 
that are easier to water and harvest. If you're if you're just digging holes, it's easy to accidentally like you just could get a mess of kind of plants growing everywhere. Yeah. And then our final point was that this has been the way of agriculture for multiple generations and it seems to be the right and regular thing to do. So I know that in Malawi when um kind of modern day agriculture started it was all using tillage and I know that in the US once tillage became a thing which you'll hear about later um it just it it erupted and now it's just become something so regular for everyone worldwide tillage has just become a way of agriculture it's a very regular accepted thing it's widely known and it's easy to do like i said you can do it using a tractor attached to a cart or you could use a donkey attached to a cart depending on how much money you're getting you could also do it using hose so like there's so many different ways to till and it's such um it's so much easier than other um, agricultural forms, but methods, but um, there are numerous environmental repercussions. Um, so you want to move on to those. So let's move on to the downsides of tilling. I just want to um, add in for the, the agriculture. and uh, it's, it's about education as well. People are just taught that that is the way you, you grow plants. So that's the way they do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then also... My dad was working on this a little bit. It was a small aspect of his last project in Malawi, and now he's on his second. But in his first project, um, he was part of it was to educate people on alternate tilling forms, um, uh, conservation agriculture, I guess. And and it was interesting because he said that you'd get certain people would do it for a while, but then they would kind of they would kind of come back to tillage just because it's so much. To them, that's just the way to do it. So they can be told to do it one way, but it's just been the way that they're doing it for so long. And even with that education, sometimes it's harder, but it just, it has to be, that education has to be integrated throughout a person's life and they have to be able to comprehend the benefits for them to want to shift to conservation agriculture. But especially in a place like Malawi, where where you have such um, high numbers of poverty um, these people can't afford certain equipment for um, alternate tilling methods or they don't have the time in there, you know, to 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 do that because they just need their food to grow so that they can so that they can eat, I guess. And that's that's a big problem for them, especially in, in developing um, nations and regions. It's that you can't get that progress because they don't have the money and time to do that. Yeah. OK, so. Uh, I think we're moving on to the environmental repercussions, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can start? Yep, go ahead. So tillage overturns soil, and that leads to the release of carbon stores in the soil. I think we talked about this briefly in our um, Kiss the Ground episode. Yeah, we did, yeah. We touched on it briefly, but carbon would regularly be retained by the microbes that assist the breakdown of matter. Um, and when carbon bonds with oxygen in the air, it forms the notorious greenhouse gas, which is CO2. So the de- deficit of microbial life forms, somehow hard to say, in the soil um, due to this tillage would re- reduce the carbon capacity in the soil and release carbon uh, into the air. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of that that death, I guess, of those of that of those mi- microbial life forms, because they're holding on to the carbon throughout their lives. Um, the carbon which um would have been released uh, via the breakdown of matter, but so there um because during the decomposition process, carbon is released um and it's released into the soil, and then that would be released because during the decomposition process, because things decompose 
basically into soil eventually, and then um, that carbon would be released, but the microbes hold on to that. And with the death of those microbes due to tilling, you're getting this mass release of carbon, um, which Sandiamas has uh, mentioned at the end. Okay, so our next point was the drying of soil. So the drying of soil occurs um, when the rich, wet soil under the visible ground is exposed to air and dries out. Um, this soil then becomes known as dirt, which is dusty and wa- and is easily washed or blown away. Um, and sometimes this can be into the um, the dust being blown away can be blown into rivers and lakes and make the water unclean. And that it, because it can carry um, feces and it can it can carry decaying matter and it can carry sprayed chemicals, and that can all lead um, to disease in humans and in animals who feed from fish from that water source or who drink from that water source because of things such as algae blooms, bacterial blooms, um, etc. Okay, and then um, moreover, um, if this dust is blown into the air, it can cause dust storms, and um, the process of soil becoming dirt leads to this widespread process of desertification, which is when fertile land becomes infertile and um, barren of plants. And this is happening worldwide due to tillage. Um, You're seeing the Sahara is um, expanding, and then you're going to see, if you look at pictures of the Midwest, you can see it's already a lot less green than it used to be. Um, If you look, if you compare pictures from like uh, 50 years ago to pictures from now. And so it's just this process where due to this excessive tilling, which we're implementing, we're straining the soil and turning it into dirt. And then that is reducing the ability for soil to um, assist in the growth of plants. So then there's this deficit of plants, and then it's just this dusty soil. And then what you eventually get are these um, deserts popping up. Okay, and then I just have a side note, Oscar. Um, this is for you. I'm, I took a pause in there when I couldn't follow where I was reading. Could you just cut that out for me so that I just go from saying the one thing to the other thing rather than having that like 10 second pause where I was looking at trying to catch up with where I am? Consider it done. Sandhya, would you like to um, move on to the next point? Sure. The lack of forest or scrub whose roots would have held the soil and prevented the overturning of the soil make it easier for the topsoil and agricultural land to be swept swept away. And if you did have that forest and scrub, which is right now being like destroyed by our need for resources, that forest and undergrowth and nature in general, it creates this ecosystem where the soil is being held held down and the rain feeds the natural landscape instead of washing it away. And when this, that, that undergrowth and those trees are gone, it destroys the, the natural landscape there. Yep. And the reason which I included this point was because um, a lot of this deforestation is due to the need for agricultural land and the deforestation of um, natural land to be able to produce agricultural land on which we are tilling and we're degrading the soil and we don't have those trees and that's just devastating that area and again that is just leading to that desertification process and so our next point is soil mass loss like we mentioned so um that kind of soil and dirt being swept away well i guess it's soil at this point the soil being swept away um, leads to the loss of nutrients um, as well. And then this builds into the point of um, how nutrients can also be lost due to the loss of microbial life in the soil um, because of tillage, which would have regularly uh, assisted in the breakdown of matter in the soil to naturally fertilize the soil. 
um, which is soil because it's, you know, rich in nutrients, um, and would have assisted in the cycling of nutrients and retaining of nitrogen, which is important for plant growth. And so this, um, so this loss of microbe, microbial life forms in the soil is having these multiple re repercussions. So not only are you losing carbon storage capacity in the soil, you're also releasing carbon and the soil is not retaining nutrients. And that is m making it significantly harder for plants to grow. Anyway, so this nutritional loss within topsoil in turn makes it harder for trees and plants to grow because they do not have enough nutrients that, uh, which they would have been acquiring from the soil to, to grow. And this is not only a problem for trees and wild plants, this is also a problem for agricultural crops. It's going to make it harder for agricultural crops to grow. And this is why we only have 60 harvests left until the world's topsoil is unusable. And we put that, um, so that statistic is in some of our, um, it's in, a, we've mentioned it a couple of times and we've released a, uh, just a short clip of Sandhya saying that onto YouTube, um, because it's so important to understand that we, in degrading the soil, we're not only harming natural land, we are, it's going to have repercussions that are going to directly affect us because we're not going to have the food we need. And I just wanted to quickly mention nutrients uh, cycling, and I just wanted to say that nutrient cycling is the flux of nutrients within and between the various biotic or abiotic pools in which nutrients occur in the soil and the environment. Um, I'm, that is a direct quote from Science Direct, um, so that, that link will be in the show notes. But not all hope is lost. Don't forget it. We will now move on to some of the crucial CA, conservation agriculture, solutions. So one no-till method is time-consuming yet effective in some ways, and that is hand-planting seeds. Um, and this has a low budget due to a lack of machinery, but also is time-consuming due to that lack of machinery to assist in the process. And like you mentioned earlier, there are some problems with hand planting because of how time consuming it is and how sometimes if you don't if you don't take the time to do it then your crops will get out of hand you'll lose that tidiness in your um, agricultural land however this method involves farmers hand planting seeds so they eat they dig separate holes to, to the necessary depths and plant a couple seeds inside and then seal the hole and water it and then the plant will germinate it'll grow and then you're not having these rows which are going to be exposed over long periods of time which is really when damage begins to happen and so this is a uh, it's a good method in some ways if you're doing a small scale farm or if you're a gardener um because it's it's it is time consuming but it's it's beneficial because it basically entirely removes the risks of tillage each plant will have a different standard depth to which the seed should be planted. But if you're a farmer or a gardener, I'm assuming that you're going to be doing some research on that. So if you want to plant a tomato seed, there's going to be a certain depth at which you're supposed to, an average depth at which you're supposed to plant the tomato seed for it to properly germinate and grow. Um, and so that is something which you'd have to take into account if you're going to hand plant it because you can't dig it too deep or too shallow for the seed. And also how, how frequently you're going to have to water it. But that's all regular stuff for for, um, a farmer or gardener to look at during maybe winter for the upcoming spring or during spring as you're planting or something which you just know because you're I guess doing it yearly completely sidetracked there but I just mentioned that because if you're going to be new to farming 
or um, new to gardening and you want to do that, it is very important to keep in mind that each seed has to be planted at a different depth because you don't want to invest in buying a bunch of tomato seeds and then dig a hole which is like half a meter deep, plant the seeds and then not have anything grow come harvest. <laughs> so I'm sorry that I sidetracked a little there, but there was a reason behind it. Okay, Sandhya, do you want to move on? Sure. So another no-till method includes the planting of a seed in a pot or carton until the germination is complete and then transplanting it into a seed bed by hand. So for those of you that don't know, germination is the process from which a seed grows into a shoot and breaks the surface of the soil. So if you plant it in a pot or carton ahead of time, you can be sure that it's going to... Let me just quickly um, make one correction to that definition. Sorry. Um, in, I guess it's essentially until the shoot breaks the surface, but it's actually, I think, until um, the plant begins to photosynthesize and that only happens at, at the point when it uh, breaks the surface and sunlight can actually hit the shoot. And so I guess I was right in my initial definition, which I wrote down, but I was also wrong. Anyway, let me continue with this. So, so if you grow it in a carton or a pot, so you're taking this rich soil or putting it in a pot, you're planting the plant as you put the soil in the pot, I guess. And then that's going to begin to grow. The germination process will complete, like you mentioned. And then instead of having to till like in a regular season and plant the seeds in the regular seed bed, you've already planted it in these pots. So all you have to do now is um, scoop out all that soil, including the shoot, dig a hole in the ground and plant that, plant the dirt, the roots, and the shoot in the hole which you've just dug up. I'm sorry, the way I'm explaining this is horrible. But basically you've dug up a hole and you're just transplanting the soil and the plant into the hole, if that makes sense. I think they do a similar thing with trees, don't they? Yeah, Sandia's going to touch on this because she's going to cover reforestation. But in a lot of reforestation programs, people will plant a sapling or a seed in those cartons or tins or pots it can be anything which can contain that i guess and then they'll wait for it to grow to about maybe half a meter high usually and then they'll they'll transplant that into a an area which they're reforesting so that they've gotten it through the hardest part of its growth process and then it can begin that long uh, growth process where it has a higher chance uh, a higher success rate of not dying yeah because my from my understanding when you chop down a tree it only has like a what 10 percent chance uh when you plant it again if it that it's going to grow grow so if you plant it have it in a carton ahead of time you can bring it through that initial like growth stage to make sure it's gonna i guess be successful yeah in its life cycle yeah i have one method which i'm not a particular fan of but of course it's still better than regular old tillage and that is vertical tillage which just um, creates shallower ruts and hence overturns the soil less and that damages less of the soil and to a lesser extent um, and the ruts in this case might be only four to six inches deep and so then you're exposing less of the soil and it'll take a lot more of that of that minimalized tillage to actually harm the soil because you're uh, degrading less of the soil in the process and then another minimal till method which i do like involves the use of special equipment and so of course saying that only if you have the money 
like a rich farmer in Shelburne where I live. Only if you have the money will you be able to afford this equipment to be able to actually use this method. But this is a great method because basically it makes very narrow slits in the soil known as furrows while simultaneously dropping seeds into the furrow and then covers the furrow after. And so it's like these discs, I think, and I'm pretty sure it's discs and they just create basically these slits and then at the end you cover it and so you're still getting your neat rows uh, but you're not really tilling and so it's minimalizing that uh, the effective tillage a lot because you're only you're barely exposing anything you can imagine that 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 surface area is a lot less in that in a narrow slit yeah than it would be in a deep rut sandia do you want to finish that off we have one more oh uh, yeah but i i just want to touch on the um the special equipment because in the kiss the ground documentary that we talked about i don't know if we covered it but they did show that this one farmer that was using that like special i guess tractor um and it's virtually the same thing as tilling except it doesn't let like it, it covers less surface area and doesn't let all that carbon out into the air yeah um and i love this method i absolutely love it i think it's great because the the farmers get their neat rows it's a lot easier for them and they're barely tilling at all and so it's super practical if you can afford it as a farmer if you're listening to this this is maybe something to look into um and our final our final one sandia do you want to highlight that sure uh it's called strip tilling and it's another reduced till method that's not the best but it is somewhat better than tillage. So strip tilling is when you use thinner ruts and those thinner ruts are made with with space between the ruts, which are, is sometimes a meter long, so that it's not like rut after rut. Like in in the typical, I guess I'm doing finger quotes, um, in the typical farm, uh, you have like long rows side by side, like one after the other. Yeah. And it looks very jagged in that case. Yeah. In strip tilling, it would be like farther apart. Yeah. So in strip tilling, the way that um, the way that it would be just to um, further explain that is that you'd you can imagine looking at it from um, the side, you'd see that um, narrower rut, and then which so you're also exposing less soil, I guess that narrower rut, and then you've kind of got this plateau. I, I suppose is one way to explain it. <laughs> this kind of plateau at the top, and before you have your next rut, and so you're not just uprooting the whole agricultural land you're just making these thin ruts in certain um kind of in these controlled spaces and you're exposing less of the soil so it's you know it's it's not the best method because it's still tilling it is still tilling but it's not as bad because you're not exposing as much soil as you would be in regular tilling anything else sandia um no i don't think so okay so now Let's move on to the article club. Today's article is by Soil Warrior and follows the history of tillage. Um, And I just want to go through this really quickly. Um, So according to the article, tillage began with the ancient Egyptians and Incas dropping seeds into hand plowed ruts and holes made with sticks, um, sometimes sharp sticks. And these seeds were then recovered. So I guess these the, the ruts which they'd create with their sticks uh, would then be recovered after the seeds were planted. And I do believe that the ancient Chinese also used a similar till method. Let me just look at that really quickly. Just check that out. Okay, yeah, so... Um, yeah, so there is a book on ancient Chinese using a till method. 
And I, I thought this because it was mentioned actually in Kiss to the Ground. We didn't mention it because we kind of were taking ages and we didn't want to bore you. So we just went through the first kind of part of it. But towards the end, there's this a really awesome scene where there's this guy who brought back this ancient Chinese agricultural land. And it's actually this mountain. And they had tilled it for for years and years and years, the ancient Chinese. And eventually it just become this desert, I suppose, like this desert mountain because... Um, like we mentioned, that degrees the soil, the, the constant tillage. And it was just like that for um, for centuries because um, that was it. You know, it, it was a desert. But then this guy came back and he somehow managed to refertilize the soil and get it back into healthy conditions so that he could plant crops there. And then he taught local the local people how to use alternate till methods to plant crops on the mountain. So now that now there's this huge agricultural mount, mountain using all sustainable tilling methods, and I absolutely loved this. It was so amazing uh, to, to, to hear this example. And I would actually love to get an interview with this guy because it was just, it's this amazing, amazing project. And I respect that so much. Um, and so if you want to look it up and um, again, watch Kiss the Ground. It's a great documentary. Um, okay, let's just continue with the article now. So... Um, the article continues, and plows were only created in the 17th century. And then at long last, in 1837, an American named John Deere, John Deere, I think it's John Deere, but it's like D-E-E-R-E, -E -E, um, created the cast iron plow. Um, and then fast forward to modern day, tillage practices are still widely practiced, though this does not make them okay. And so it's kind of interesting how tilling has evolved throughout time. And you have to understand this to understand why people might want, why, why tillage is so common, why people think of tilling as this ancestral way of agriculture. And it is, it's just this, it dates back so far. And I think it's amazing history, but it, it's time for a change. We need to see change happening because the, the degradation which we're causing due to agriculture, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's just, it's unimaginable. Um, and I can't emphasize it enough. I can't find the words to emphasize it because it's just it's so bad and people just disregard the degradation which we're doing to our soil because it's so uncommonly heard of you people hear about people hear about poaching deforestation plastic pollution and those are all important things to act upon but you can't forget about the soil what's you can't forget about what's beneath our feet and the way that our lives is affecting that and agriculture is having such a big effect on soil um and so we have to take action now to prevent that degradation and so with that let's sign off this episode thank you so much for listening take care stay safe and I got my first vaccine two days ago. I just wanted to let you all know that I got my first vaccine. Um, and I'm super happy about that. I think that's it. Farewell, listeners. See you in the next episode.